Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old school business practices and the traditional business suit culture. I'd like to welcome our listeners into the Thanksgiving edition of Unsuitable on Ray Radio. We've got a great famous guest today. Today's guest has built his career specializing in tax, business, and estate planning for family farms, sometimes leading from generation to generation, and also leaders in the agribusiness section. Brian Kemp, a principal in Ray's Millersburg office, regularly works with clients to develop tax planning strategies designed to protect their wealth and sustain their businesses. Additionally, since the Tax Cuts and Job Act took effect, Brian has studied each provision in search of growth opportunities to help his clients. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Brian. Thank you, Dave. Good. You getting ready for Thanksgiving? We are starting to get ready for it planning out who all is coming and how much food we're going to have. Well, I know you're a uh, tremendous uh, <laughs> chef, and uh, you'll you will play a role in that. I sure will. Are you carving the turkey? I'll carve turkey, make mashed potatoes, anything. Any, uh, any uh, tips for uh, carving the turkey that you want to share? Nothing for carving the turkey. Just don't overcook it. Just don't overcook yep. it. So... Good. Hey, uh, since since we last got together about a year ago, I know we were talking about some tax planning tips uh, with the new tax act. I want to kind of continue that conversation, but maybe switch gears a little bit and talk about business planning uh, in the agribusiness and in farming community. I know you've you've put together many programs for for your clients, and and when we uh, were talking ahead of time, you know, you were telling me about you know, some of the uh, dairy farms you, you work with and, and maybe the loss of, um, of business in that sector. Can you maybe mm-hmm. share a few facts before we get moving? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, the dairy industry and farm industry in general has struggled for the last year uh, and even dairy longer than that. Um, they've been in kind of a price slump for the last couple of years uh, and has put some pretty hard, brought some hard times and has forced a lot of families to make a lot of very difficult decisions. Um, Ohio has lost about 7.5% of their dairy farms over the last year, which is a pretty significant amount. Uh, about 172 farms in the last 12 months have have closed. And it's it's always hard to close a business, but it's especially hard for farmers because it is such a, a way of life that's sustained from generation to generation. And um, yeah, it's, it's extremely it's difficult. It yeah. is. Now, we're going to talk about some, uh, some ideas and some events that are going on in the agribusiness and farming community. But again, a lot of the things we're going to touch on today, you could, you could also use these same planning techniques with any kind of business. But you sure can. we're going to... We're going to kind of stick in the agribusiness. You know, we had talked about um, maybe in your lead where where a business is struggling or a farm is struggling, you know, and you have to ask yourself some serious questions. And you you shared a few few of those with us. Can you can you kind of expand on those? Yeah, uh, probably the the biggest one is how long do you continue to burn through your hard-earned equity that's been built up over 20, 50, 70 years, depending on how long how long your business or your Generational farm Generational equity. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Because the, the reality is, at some point, um, some farmers have decided to close up shop and sell because it's been... 
it's too hard to see their hard-earned equity. A lot of times, which is not in cash, it's in land, it's in buildings, it's in cows, equipment. They see it hard to part with that piece by piece, not knowing when the um, when the economy or when the when the market is going to recover. Uh, there's there is a it's well known. There's a surplus of milk out there right now. There's a surplus of cows and. So far, no one has projected uh, in in the short term how soon that's going to uh, recover. So, you know, Brian, you'd mentioned about you know how long do we continue to burn through this this family equity? Mm-hmm. Um, how about going into debt? And that's, what's the debt structure yep, picture look like? That's the other consideration: is if you do have a lot of equity, are you willing to uh, take out a loan against that equity? And if so, how how far do you go? Do you continue to get loans uh, in hopes that the economy recovers and that land prices don't decrease in value? And um, yeah, how much risk are you willing to take on based on that that equity you have in your in your farm? So you're faced with some uh, pretty significant decisions. Again, as we outlined, do you? burn through the equity, that's your cash, your savings, your retirement plans. Do we go into debt? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the decision to sell, those are all things that are at the forefront. But before you get there, what are some of the decisions, some things you'd like to talk about with with your clients in your, in your planning community? Yeah. Pro- probably the number one thing that I see lacking is estate planning. Some farmers will have a basic estate plan, but they may have started it 15 years ago, 20 years ago when their kids were young and haven't updated it or considered what's going to happen when they eventually retire or are unable to continue farming. A lot of farmers want to pass their land uh, along to their kids, to the next generation, which is a great plan if done well and if done poorly can tear families apart. Sure. Um, some people think, well, you know, I'll, I'll die. There's no estate tax. I don't have that big of an estate. All my land will just go to my kids without thinking about, well, I have four kids. What if some of them want to keep it? What if someone want to sell? What if someone gets divorced? What if someone dies? What options do the kids have to buy each other out? Can one of them force a sale? And all of a sudden, no one's getting together for Thanksgiving dinner anymore. Sure, sure. You know, and you talk about estate planning, and you mentioned that, well, hey, under the new uh, tax law, you know, the, the estate tax is less. But I think you're referring to, you know, kind of estate business planning in general, not just Correct. A, not just estate tax. Correct. What are we going to do? Are, are we going to try to pass this this uh, um, equity that we've earned to, to grandkids, great-grandkids, mm-hmm. and keep it? You know, yeah. keep it in the family. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's definitely estate and succession planning all kind of wrapped into one. So when do you get into a decision to invest more into the business or the farm to reduce your cost? So one thing that uh, technology is, is coming to farms in the way of um, computer programs, ways to track costs, way to, ways to track milk generated by cow. Uh, there are robotic milkers coming into play more and more often, all of which cost significant dollars to invest into. 
And while it's sometimes counterintuitive or hard to say, I'm going to borrow or spend a million or two million to invest in a farm that's currently losing money, uh, it may be the thing that's required in order to get your cost down um, to an acceptable level sure. where sure. you can at least break even at this point and when prices finally do recover, right. allow you to make money. Right. Well, let's uh, sprinkle in a little bit of the tax law with uh, this business planning conversation. You mentioned these uh, these losses, but if, uh, if I have a farm, a dairy farm, and I do have some losses, can I... Can I generate a net operating loss and take that backward in time to to gain some uh, refunds and some needed cash flow? What are the rules yep. on on the net operating losses or the NOLs? Yeah, yep. There there are some new changes. Um, in general, NOLs are not going to be allowed to be carried back, but farms are still allowed to carry back um, two years now. It used to be two they years. Could, okay. They can carry back five. Now they are limited to two years. And there's limitations on how much you can carry back. So you can only carry back, I think it's $250,000 in a year um, to go back to recover taxes that you may have paid in the in the past. Um, in general, though, I would rather see people from a, from a long-term standpoint reduce their loss in the current year than create a loss and, uh, to, and take it back against prior year Correct, taxes. Right. Um, you're going to save approximately 15% right off the bat of any amount that you can push off uh, loss-wise to future years rather than create a loss and carry it back just because of the Social Security and Medicare savings. Right. right. And I'm sure there's a, this is a difficult part of the conversation is that uh, we have to raise cash. Maybe uh, borrowing money is not the answer. Maybe selling off uh, equity land, timber, mm-hmm. or other assets is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, take me behind the scenes. One is, yeah, is that so, a difficult emotional conversation? Land is probably the the most difficult conversation because your, your blood, sweat, and tears are, are poured into your land for years and years. And it, it also helps you generate revenue or cost savings if you're growing your own your own crops. So land is probably the most difficult one. What we've seen a lot in the last year is creating income through um, selling off investments or something like that in order to generate gain so that you can use that farm loss to offset the gain this year. So we've we've done that in a number of instances this year because the the uh, losses from especially dairy farms are going to be substantial this year. So you need to dig uh, deep, look at every angle, nook and cranny yeah. as you put together a plan, a business plan. Correct. You know, when I sell, if I, if I own a farm and we, you know, it's a fairly successful farm, doing, doing some things, have turned for the worse, but I need to sell timber or minerals or land, will I get a capital gain for that? Yes, you're correct. Those would all all be capital gain producing um, sales, all of which present some really nice tax planning opportunities as well. Um, we've had a number of instances where we can generate 
you know, up to $100,000 of income in a year and have no federal or state taxes due on that $100,000. So, yeah. I'm feels, hiring you. Give me it feels a, pretty good when you, you can give do me that. an engagement letter out to today? <laughs> I kind of like that. And we've been able to do that year over year for some people, keeping taxes significantly low by using capital gains, um, both for federal and state purposes. So, these planning techniques that you're talking about, and we will talk about some more, those just don't start the last week of December to wind up the year. Those are year-round discussions. Is you're, that correct? You're exactly right. And that's that goes back to how important it is to have your records up to date uh, throughout the year. Don't wait until February 15th to put everything into your QuickBooks or your farm software and generate your P&L for your tax return. Uh, it makes it uh, very difficult, if not impossible, to do tax planning after the end of the year. So we really like to start looking at it in the summer, start working with clients to project your income or loss, and then allow you to have three, four, or five months to make decisions between then and the end of the year as to do you need to sell something? Do you need to buy something? Do you need to invest somewhere else? Um, allow as much time as possible to make those decisions so that it's not a last second decision. Right. Last second decisions usually end up poorly and not with the best best result tax-wise or uh, cash-wise. Right, right. Well, you certainly um, can get your arms around the, you know, the numbers, what the liabilities are, what the cash flow. How do you coach through the emotional part of having to a sell off a significant part of your business? Yeah. How how do you how do you do that? That that's probably one of the most difficult things. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people have been there before. Um, you can go out and read blog posts. You can read stories online of people that have done it before. Knowing that you're not the only person in that boat sometimes makes it slightly easier. Uh, it's never going to be easy, but the biggest thing is to have, at minimum, have your accountant and your attorney by your side to help you make well-thought-out, rationed decisions. Um, we work with attorneys a lot in this area because it is, it's, it's a difficult decision emotionally, but it's also a difficult decision financially that may impact your your family as well. You know, what we're talking about here is is reality, planning for reality. Mm -hmm. And even if you know these things may exist down the road, two, three, five years from now, mm -hmm. if we you notice that now, you can maybe begin to do some things differently to try to head that off at the pass. Exactly. You know, That's how about um, you had mentioned to me maybe take an off-farm job Mm -hmm. and use your skills in that. Are you seeing that? Yeah, we've seen a lot of people try to supplement their farm income. We've seen a lot, I mean, anymore, a lot of people, there's at least one family member that will have an off-farm job. Oftentimes, it's to provide health insurance. Uh, everyone knows how expensive health insurance is. And oftentimes, a spouse will take an off-farm job solely for the fact that they can provide health insurance that way. Uh, but we've also had a lot of people start complementing businesses, um, equipment repairs. Hauling manure is a pretty profitable business. Um, 
custom harvesting is another one that we've seen a lot of people do. And trucking, um, if you have a CDL, you don't, you may not realize how valuable you are in the marketplace right now because trucking is probably one of the industries that has the hardest time finding good employer employees, good drivers. Um, so your your skills are very valuable out in the marketplace. Um, sometimes people tend to sell themselves short, but they if you're if you grew up farming, you have a lot of skills. Uh, there's you do. there's no doubt about that. A lot of resiliency as yes, well. Yes, exactly. If you can show up on time and pass a drug test, you're already uh, you're in good. the top five percent. You're, you're yeah, higher. Exactly. You're higher. You know, I understand your team has developed uh, some marketing materials, uh, a new a newsletter. And can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, we just started develop. We developed the Rise and Shine newsletter. Um, we the intention is to help out farmers with some of these difficult decisions. If nothing else, just bringing up some of the issues that are that need to be discussed. Um, sometimes, I would say even oftentimes, people know they need to do something, but until you keep asking them and bringing it up uh, and for, sometimes forcing the issue, they may not take, take hold of it, uh, estate planning being one of them. Most people know, yeah, I need to take care of my estate planning. I need to update it. It's been 20 years, but eh, I just don't want to go in sure. and talk to the attorney. But... Um, we really do need to be talking to clients, talking to people and saying, you need to have this done. It's not necessary. It's, it's partially for your benefit, but it's largely for the benefit of your family. Um, and keeping, keeping siblings talking after, sure. after you're gone. How about, uh, an additional plug for your newsletter? How can I get a copy of that? <laughs> uh, you know, we'll cover a little bit at the yeah. end, but never, you know, we can always do it a couple times. So. You can you can email me. Uh, we can put you on the list. Um, is there a way to do it online as well? We can. We'll we can, uh, we'll go into we'll that. We'll make sure that we have an online avenue to sign up for that as well. So our listeners can go on our on our website and check out your bio. That's Brian Kempf, Millersburg, Ohio, which is located in Holmes County, as we mentioned. And uh, you'll see his bio, and you'll see a very uh, famous uh, young man there that has. Uh, a great skill in business planning. I want to go back to estate planning considerations. Uh, again, kind of tie this together, kind of keep it out of the, we'll, we'll talk some tax, but I want to kind of keep it in the mm -hmm. higher level, the the planning, the, the emotional stuff that's very difficult to do. How do you have that conversation about, does the next generation really want to own this land? Does the mm -hmm. next generation really want to farm? Yeah. I would say the first thing that I tell people is start to bring kids in on the discussion early on. Um, oftentimes, people wait to to start telling their kids what what their estate plan is until they're in their late twenties, thirties, forties, in some case. And it's always going to be better if you lay out your estate plan and tell them what your plan is, get their input, ask them what do they want to do and start to bring them in on the discussion early on. Uh, even if you don't give up ownership, um, getting an idea, do, do your kids want to own the farm or the business? Do they 
Are they willing and are they ready and do they understand risks involved and some of the difficult decisions that have to be made along the road? Um, So that's probably the first thing is start to involve your kids in those discussions early on. The Farms and businesses that do it the best, um, they meet on a, on a monthly basis at least just to talk about the sh- decisions that are made, uh, go over financial information, just talk through things that you don't always talk about when you're wrapped up in your, your daily work. Uh, everyone is busy. Everyone's got a thousand things to do unless you make it are you're intentional in meeting and talking about these things, it can go years before, before, between, between meetings. Um, so that's probably the first thing. There's also a fine balance between when you allow your kids to get into the business. We don't like to see it done too early um, before someone has really made up their mind that they want to get, get in and stay in because it's, it's easy to get in and it's not so easy to get out. Um, so we you check in, never check ex- out. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> so we don't like to push people to get in too early, but we also don't like that to see people wait until they're 75 or 80 before they pass their farm along to their kids that are in their fifties, because at, at that might be a little late. Yeah, at some point, the your the next generation is going to say, well, "Why do I want to take on this risk if I'm going to retire in ten years?" Are you saying a fifty year old plus <laughs> is old? Is that what I hear you saying? <laughs> That's not exactly what I'm saying. No, but it's. I mean, it, it happens. It happens with some regularity, and you you even see sometimes it skips from grandparents to grandkids because the parents now say, "I don't." I don't need to take on sure. the risk. I'm not going to be doing it for another 35 years. So um, you don't want to wait too late to do that either. Yeah. Well, let's do a uh, side-by-side comparison uh, along that uh, discussion is, okay, choice A is uh, I'm the owner of the land. I want to I sell the land. You've mm-hmm. already told me I've got capital gain. I've lo- owned that land or that land has been in the family for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to gift it or put it into my state to pass it along to my heirs. Yep. What would your advice be to me? We would always advise, uh, in general, I should say, pass land through inheritance when you're when you when you pass away, because you're going to get that step up in basis. So your children's basis in the land will now become whatever the fair market value of that land is when you pass away. And so if they would sell it, let's say in a year later, there would be little to no capital gain. Whereas if you purchased that land 40 years ago or your grandparents passed, bought it and, and gifted it to you, it may have a basis of $200 and it could produce a $30,000 gain per acre. So that, that can be an enormous tax savings or tax cost if you do it sure. incorrectly. Well, there is the benefit of having those family meetings and bringing in the family sooner than later Mm -hmm. and often, Mm -hmm. even though those are difficult conversations. They are, yep. Will you lead those kind of conversations? Yep, We, we love to lead those conversations. And we're lucky to have some great attorneys that we work with side by side on these discussions as well, because there's often tax and estate planning considerations that um, 
we both, us and attorneys, work off of each other very well. Right, right. Yeah. You know, in the time we have left, we got to do a little encore, a little uh, quick cleanup here. Uh, of course, we were talking about some tax planning tips. We didn't dive too deeply into that, but estate planning uh, strategies and unique challenges facing the ag industry, I think we've covered those pretty well in the time mm-hmm. we have. But on tax planning tip and along the land, we talked about uh, 1031 exchange or like-kind exchange mm-hmm. for land. I want to trade my land for something else. Can you give us a high-level overview? You, you could give a seminar on this, an yeah. eight-hour seminar. <laughs> exactly. You know, you've got one minute to describe yes. what a, a like-kind exchange and how that can benefit me. Yep, high-level. So if you sell your land and you don't need or want the cash out of that land, you can do a like-kind exchange. You can sell your land and defer all of the gain by purchasing a like-kind property. So that could be land, that could be commercial real estate, uh, a rental building, any type of capital asset. You cannot buy personal property, which would be tractors, cars, equipment, anything like that. But as long as it is a like-kind property, you can defer all of that gain. And where it can really come into play is if you then pass that property along to your kids uh, through your inheritance, there is no tax on that that sale right. ever. Good, good. You yep. know, we've kind of painted a picture of some tax uh, techniques, some planning techniques for a struggling business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by any means, what we talked about can be for a very thriving business. All That's of this exactly uh, right. works either either way. I think sometimes the the businesses that are that are not doing as well, or the agribusinesses may you may hear about it more often than not. Mm-hmm. But so I think we want to point out that these are planning techniques for all levels of business. That's exactly right. You know, as we run down again, this is uh, this is going to be quick hits. We like to do a little quick hitter uh, on the tax tip. Uh, uh, depreciation uh, write-offs, still a uh, good thing happening. Big depreciation write-offs this year. A uh, million dollars of 179 unlimited bonus depreciation. You can pretty well write off almost anything. <laughs> And you have some planning techniques there to defer if that's, we don't need it. That's exactly right. You can also, uh, tractors, they they put in a new provision. You can lengthen the, the amount of time you can depreciate them if you want to. Sure. Can I change my accounting uh, method for tax purposes? You sure can if you want to. You can switch so, from cash to accrual. Most farms are are all on cash, cash basis. Cash anyway. Yep, okay. exactly. So they probably stay that. Uh, yeah. Filing deadline, what do we got? What do we got in front of us? Are the tax forms going to be available? Still, What's going on yeah, there? Farmers still can file by March 1st by and not have to pay estimates. But the IRS is going to be very delayed on coming out with new forms this year because of all the new tax changes. So it may benefit some farmers to make a small fourth quarter estimated payment, which would allow them to file on April 15th as, instead. And when are my 1099s due to the uh, IRS? Still January 31st and file your 1099s. It is uh, no longer something to ignore. The fines are rather large for not not filing them if you get caught. We, uh, as an aside, we're uh, dealing with a client now that uh, received a notice uh, with a $20,000 plus penalty yeah. For failure to file 1099s correctly. So we wanted to throw that in. That's, that is very serious. Our guest today has been Brian Kempf from our Ray & Associates office in Millersburg, Ohio. 
I think you can tell by the conversation, this guy is plugged in on the planning side on agribusiness. The agribusiness is thriving here in Ohio, and Brian's planning activities are thriving as well. And we have the pleasure as a firm of working with so many family farms, many of them generational from generation. You and your team in Millersburg do a great job educating clients on the importance of tax and estate planning. In fact, I'd like to encourage our listeners to check out and subscribe to Ray's newest quarterly print newsletter that you mentioned called Rise and Shine, which features tailored articles and insight for farmers and agribusiness leaders. You can find a sample of this newsletter on our website at raycpa.com backslash rise dash and dash shine. I was told to put those dashes in. Let me give it to you again. RayCPA.com backslash rise dash and dash shine. Rise and shine. And while you're checking out the Rise and Shine article, see, I'm giving you a publication Thank there. You, I'm giving you some pub. <laughs> Why not check out our past podcast episode and resource pages at RayCPA.com podcast. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box, double the stuffing recipe. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.